48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Alex Price. The headlines. MTR officials seek to allay safety concerns as the Chunwan line fully reopens. An executive councillor says the government might keep its Lanto reclamation plan to just a 1,000 hectares. And there are pleas for UN help following the devastating cyclone and flooding in southern Africa. The MTR Corporation has sought to reassure the public about safety on the Chunwan line following Monday's collision and derailment near Central Station when two trains were testing a new signalling system. Services resumed as normal this morning. As Joanne Wong reports, some trackside equipment was damaged but has since been repaired. Passengers travelling to and from Central on the Chumwan line were able to take their normal route again this morning after the MTR managed to remove two damaged trains overnight. The trains crashed during non-service hours on Monday when a new signalling system was being tested. MTR Operations Director A.D. Lau said that more damage was exposed after the incident trains were removed. After we have uh, shown the uh, incident trains to uh, MOT sidings, and our staff started to have the inspections of the trackside equipment. And then we identified that there are some equipments uh, have found to be uh, damaged, but the damage is quite minor in nature, and that includes the shifting of the locations of a signaling box but he assured that all damaged equipment had been repaired and safety tests were conducted under the supervision of government staff before the rail operator announced the resumption of services roughly an hour ahead of the first scheduled train. As for the two trains involved, Mr. Lau said they've been placed on sidings in Admiralty and will be taken to the depot after engineers inspect them. He also said they have spare trains at their disposal and they'll try their best to maintain normal surfaces. <laughs> Mr. Lau visited Central Station with MTR Chairman Frederick Ma around 8 a.m. this morning. The MTR boss thanked his staff for their work as well as the Fire Services Department for its help in bringing the crucial line back to normal operation. Lawmaker Lam Chuk Ting says the penalty mechanism for MTR delays is flawed and has urged the government to impose a fine big enough to reflect the seriousness of the Chunwan line incident. He said in past cases of disruptions, including the breakdown of four MTR lines in October last year, the fines are paltry in relation to the extent of the chaos. The penalty mechanism of MTR is problematic. They have to amend the penalty mechanism first and to ensure any incident happen later could reflect the seriousness of those incidents, particularly consider how many passengers and how long of those incidents and to uh, decide the penalty. The chief executive Kai Lam has indicated that the government will still amend extradition laws even if Taiwan disagrees and rejects the transfer of a merger suspect. The case of a Hong Kong man accused of merging Taiwan has been cited as a reason for amending the laws. But critics are afraid it will allow Hong Kong to hand over dissidents to the mainland and other jurisdictions. Mrs Lam was speaking through interpreter during LegCo question time. As for rescinding the proposal, there is a second reason for this particular proposal. Well, you can call it plucking a loophole or improving the present mechanism so that we can have across the board dealings with other countries and regions when there is a need to return fugitives. 
National People's Congress Standing Committee member Tam Yu Ching says he believes the central government doesn't have a strong view on whether white-collar crimes should be covered under the proposed changes to extradition laws. Mr Tam said past experience shows that Beijing is willing to listen to Hong Kong's people's views. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong has indicated that the government may not, in the end, push ahead with the full 1,700 hectare reclamation on its Lantau Tomorrow Vision Project. Yesterday, the government announced it would first reclaim 1,000 hectares to provide more housing at a cost of $624 billion. Mr Tong says it's money well spent. Obviously, a responsible government has got to listen to, you know, what the people of Hong Kong say. And bearing everything in mind, the government is now saying, and I understand it, that, that we would first do the, you know, 1,000 hectares, which I think is a responsible way of doing things. Uh, and we see how it goes. In foreign news, Zimbabwe's Minister of Defence has admitted his government failed to anticipate the magnitude of Cyclone Idai, which has wreaked havoc on the east of the country. A hundred people are known to have died in the country, while 200 have died in Mozambique. More than two and a half million people have been affected by the flooding in the two countries and Malawi. Grasa Michel, the former First Lady of Mozambique and widow of Nelson Mandela, has appealed for urgent assistance. I asked the United Nations to send specialized team to do the assessment. It is three countries which are involved. It's not only Mozambique. So we have to make a joint appeal as a region. The magnitude and the complexity of this crisis is not in the hands of one single government. The first burials of those killed in last Friday's mass shootings at two mosques in New Zealand have taken place in Christchurch. The bodies of an unnamed father and son were carried in open caskets on the shoulders of mourners into a large tent in the city's Memorial Park Cemetery. Their relatives have asked for privacy. New Zealand police say they hope to have completed the formal identification of all 50 victims by the end of today and would then be able to release the bodies to families. Speaking at a news conference, New Zealand's police commissioner, Mike Bush, explained why proper and thorough autopsies were necessary. We must prove for prosecution the cause of death to the satisfaction of the coroner to the judge. You cannot convict for murder without that cause of death. This is a very comprehensive process that must be completed to the highest standard. An Australian, Brenton Tarrant, has been charged with murder. The US Supreme Court has given the Trump administration an immigration policy victory by ruling that non-citizen criminals can be detained at any time. The 5-4 ruling states that federal officials may detain convicted immigrants indefinitely after they've finished serving prison time, even years later. And a US jury has found that the weed killer Roundup substantially contributed to a man's cancer. The court in California ruled in favour of the 70-year-old Edwin Hardman, who'd sued the chemical giant Monsanto after using the herbicide on his property for 25 years. Mr Hardman's lawyers will now present evidence allegedly showing the company's efforts to influence scientists, regulators and the public about the safety of its products. It's the second time a court has found against Monsanto. The EU's chief Brexit negotiator has warned that pushing back the date of Britain's departure without a clear plan will add to business and political costs. As the chaos over Brexit continues in London, nine days before it's scheduled to open, Michel Barnier said everyone should finalise plans for a no-deal scenario. He said the EU would need a good reason to prolong the Brexit uncertainty. Extending the uncertainty 
without a clear plan would add to the economic cost for our businesses, but could also incur a political cost for the EU. It is for the British government and Parliament to decide very quickly what the UK wants to do next. Meanwhile, the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, is writing to the European Council President, Donald Tusk, requesting an extension until the end of June or longer. A Vatican spokesman says Pope Francis has declined to accept the resignation of a French cardinal, the Archbishop of Lyon, Philippe Barbarin, who's been convicted of covering up the sexual abuse of children. Here's the BBC's Bethany Bell. Cardinal Barbarin, the most senior French cleric to be caught up in the church's child sex abuse scandal, said the Pope had turned down his offer to resign, invoking the presumption of innocence. The Cardinal said he would temporarily step aside. Pope Francis has promised zero tolerance towards child sexual abuse, but his critics say that he has once again failed to take a strong position on clerics who've been convicted in court. American-backed forces in Syria have been celebrating what they say is the capture of the last piece of territory from the Islamic State group. The BBC's Ali McBool is in Baghuz. We watched as local fighters returned from battle in celebration. They danced and sang with joy. Shagar Ahmad, spokesman for the combined forces here, told us while some IS fighters may still be hiding in tunnels, the job was otherwise done. The entire area is under the control of our fighters, he said. We can say as a geographical territory, the so-called Islamic State is completely finished. Czech scientists are offering people around the world the chance to record an audio message to be transmitted from the surface of Mars. Messages can be uploaded to a website and 11 will be chosen to be taken on board the joint European-Russian ExoMars mission due for liftoff next year. One of the messages will be chosen to be beamed back to Earth. From Prague, here's the BBC's Rob Cameron. For the first time, an ordinary citizen of this planet is being given the chance to send an audio message from another one. Anything can be submitted, music, spoken word, poetry, or even simple sounds such as birdsong, providing the recording doesn't exceed 30 seconds. And you don't need to speak Czech, of course. Entries are also accepted in English, French, Spanish, German and Russian. Researchers in London say people who smoke strong forms of cannabis are at a much greater risk of serious mental illness. In a new study of drug users, scientists estimate that one in ten new cases of psychosis could be linked to the drug. Here's the BBC's Richard Golpin. The study highlights the apparent dangers of the increasingly prevalent forms of cannabis such as skunk, which now dominate the market in London. They're so potent that the authors of the study believe people using them on a daily basis are five times more likely to have an episode of psychosis than those who never use them. The psychosis can include having delusional, confused thoughts, hallucinations, hearing voices and feeling constantly under threat. Then financial news now. In currencies, the US dollar is trading at 111.59 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 13 cents and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 40 cents. And a short time ago, the Hang, in- the Hang Seng Index stood at 29,304, 160 points down on the previous close. Turnover was $56 billion. And now with a look at the latest sports, here's Adam Jern. We start with baseball news. Mike Trout is on the verge of becoming the sport's first half-billion-dollar man.
Trail and the Los Angeles Angels are close to finalizing a 12-year, 432 million U.S. dollar contract that would break the record for largest deal in North American sports history. It would shatter Bryce Harper's 12-year, 330 million dollar deal signed with the Philadelphia Phillies last month. Trout is a two-time American League MVP. He hit 312 with 39 homers and 79 runs batted in last season. The 27-year-old outfielder is projected to have earned a record 513 million U.S. dollars by the time he retires from baseball. Now, for the first time in 142 years of Test cricket, the days of players dressed in their traditional whites appear to be over. The sports world governing body, the ICC, has confirmed plans to have names and numbers on the back of the players' white shirts. The BBC's Sam Sheringham has more. Just an attempt, really, to get with the times, I suppose, and keep up with other sports that have been doing this for years. And obviously, there's that aim to make it accessible to young people who are moving away from cricket in their droves.、Um, it's being brought in for the ICC Test Championship. That's going to feature all nine Test nations competing against each other in a, in a two-year cycle, and it actually starts with the Ashes series in August. So England and Australia will walk out at Edgbaston for that first Test with names and numbers on the backs of their shirts. The former England batsman Mike Gatting believes the introduction of names and numbers is a progressive step that will make cricket more inclusive. You know, Test cricket is something that people say is sort of waning, and I suppose this is one way of you know when somebody's at the Test ground, they they actually know who's there, and and it probably helps the spectator understand you know who's where, who's not, and and therefore it's it's slightly more interesting for them. So, from my point of view, it's something that probably is a bit away from tradition, but the game's got to move on, and、um, if numbers and, and names help people feel more closer to the players, much closer to the players, then I think、uh, it's a good thing. North and South Korea could launch a joint bid to host the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. A record nine countries have told football's world governing body that they want to host the event. Japan, Argentina, and Brazil amongst those who have formally declared their interests. Each football association has until the 16th of April to submit its bidding registration to FIFA. North and South Korea are planning to compete as a unified team in next year's Tokyo Olympics. They're also bidding to co-host the 2032 Summer Games. South Korea co-hosted the Men's World Cup with Japan back in 2002. And that's your look at sports. Thanks to Adam Jung there, and now turn the news. A reminder of our top stories: MTR officials seek to allay safety concerns as the Chunwan Line fully reopens. An executive councillor says the government might keep its Lantau reclamation plan to just a thousand hectares, and there are pleas for UN help following the devastating cyclone and flooding in southern Africa. That's the news from RTHK.